0: Island Church in Galveston, Texas welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. It's hard to, hard to, many times it's hard to talk about the anointing and how it works in an individual's ministry. The physical sensations you feel, the things in your spirit that you anticipate and when I traveled it was a unique experience many 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 days would be spent in hotel rooms interceding praying Uh, many many of the revival meetings we would do I would have lunch with the uh, pastors on Sunday after the Sunday morning service and then not have a meal again till Wednesday. Wednesday at at lunchtime I would have a meal with them again. I'd fast and pray just to see revival in that church. And man, we saw some just powerful things. But the, the only way I can describe it is when I would know I would be going to what I would call a hot church. You know, this would be a church I'd been in several times, a church I knew that had a great liberty for the move of the Holy Ghost that had good praise and worship. And I knew I would be coming in on a Sunday morning. I would be there Sunday morning uh, through Wednesday, two services a day. I'd be praying on a Thursday or Friday, maybe teaching Bible school classes. And it's like this, this, this power, this strength. It would be standing off from me. And you could almost sense it moving towards you till it, till it came on you. Now that, that's, that's just what's been going on since this whole thing has happened to me, but I know it's not for a single meeting, it's not for a, you know a single uh, event or something. I believe it's for a continual move of God or revival. So I'm doing everything I can do to, to pull it toward me, to get a hold of it, uh, to, to, to bring it down uh, into the church and for us to experience and see it. Now, one of the reasons that we can, uh, and one of the reasons we should expect it is because we sowed 18 years for it to happen here. Before we ever came here, before God ever gave us the vision of this, we sowed 18 years of revival into churches and nations of the world, believing God that we would have a place where it would show up and manifest. That's why a lot of churches don't have that type of resistance against them because they never had any seed. The Bible talks about sow your field, then build your barn. You ever read that in the book of Proverbs? So we sowed our field, now we're building our barn, and we know that God's going to show up in such a phenomenal way, and I have this sense of expectancy on the inside of me, of just this explosion of the move of God that's going to result in many sons and daughters, people getting saved, just in mass. Healings, manifestations of finances, just wonderful things. Some of you have talked to me about dreams you've had and, and visions that God has shown you of that sort of thing happening, even here in this building before we go to some other building somewhere, even happening right here. I believe it. That's why we're giving, we're putting such an emphasis on prayer right now. Oh my goodness. I was listening to a couple of, friend of my, friends of mine. I like to check up on my friends, see what they're preaching on. One thing unique about just about everybody that's teaching and preaching the Word of God right now is the emphasis they're putting on prayer. we got to pray. we got to pray. we got to pray. we got to pray as individuals. we got to pray at our house. We've got to pray at the church. We have to pray in our cars. We have to pray. We have to pray. Listen, if you'll pray, you'll connect. You said connect to what? You'll connect to what God's doing. You'll connect to what He's doing. And I'm going to tell you something. It may look like the devil's loose and doing a lot right now, but God is fixing to do something that's going to astound this planet. He's not going to be outdone by the devil. Amen. Amen. And the anticipation of that is growing and getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And you don't want to miss it because everyone will have a part. Everyone that desires to have a part will have a part. Amen. And I'm telling you, it's, 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 it's dawning upon us. It's coming. You say, well, how long is it going to take? I don't know, but I'm willing to take the time until it gets here. Psalms 110 real quick. Remember, we're studying signs of the time. Psalms 110. You know, it's 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 really interesting. As a pastor, to get up, you know, it seems like, you know, from now till Sunday, ain't no telling what's gonna happen. <laughs> from last Sunday till today, look what's happened. I mean, it's just it's just phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Now, before I get ahead of myself, Psalms 10, verse 1, the Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of strength out of Zion. Now notice this: rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Has anybody remembered back in the uh, the the last of the uh, the end of the summer, end of the fall, and a little bit into the when when I was teaching on change? It always freaks me out to teach on change. You say, Why? Because something's gonna change. (laughs) Amen. And even, even unbeknownst, I mean, you know, you can get a prophecy or tongue, an interpretation of tongue, and unless there's a manifestation of it where you see have an understanding of what it means, you really, I mean, all you can do is walk by faith. And the Lord spoke to us, actually I believe it was on July 26, which is almost a year ago, it'll be a year ago next month, and said that there's coming an interruption. There's coming an interruption. Well, let me tell you something, church, that interruption has forced change upon us. Let me say that again. That interruption has forced change upon us and where we're at right now. This is why many of you feel uncomfortable. This is why many of you feel kind of, a little, kind of this agitation. Why, why, you know, It's all you can do to keep your joy up. I'm going to tell you why. We're in what's called transition right now. Transition is not comfortable. Change can be anticipated, looked forward to, but once it changes and you go into transition, you're like, it's kind of like buying a, ho- a new house. You're like, man, we can buy a new house. You go out and you find your new house, you buy it. Then you know what you got to do? Now you got to move. <laughs> and they say, they saw in a marriage, the only thing that puts more stress on a marriage than moving is divorce. Amen. I know, I've, we've moved five times. I'm not going to yield to that temptation to say that. <laughs> Amen. But there's the change. You purchase, then there's the transition. You know, sometimes it takes you, what, a year, year and a half, two years to get settled into a house to get your painting the way you want it and your, your you know, the right couch and, you know, put the parrot where it's supposed to go and all that kind of thing. Amen. Amen. So we're in what? We're in transition. There's a transition. But the end of the transition is the change realized. Amen. Listen, we don't want nothing to remain the same. We want God to shake everything that can be shaken. We want the foundation of what He's done to stay sure. And we want to go on with the change into the trans. I mean, we want to go into the transition so that we can realize what the change desires to accomplish. Amen? And let me say something. That the will of God, the desire of God, He wants to accomplish something in every one of our lives as individuals. In every one of our families in our finances, in our health, amen, and in everything that we do. Then He wants to bring us together and cause that corporate change to happen to where we look at ourselves in a couple of years and we don't look anything like we were before the change started. Amen? Now, with that in mind, I want you to go go to Romans chapter 3. We're going to go to Romans chapter 3 then we're going to go over well, we might stop at Ephesians, then we're going to to Timothy. Now, Romans chapter 3, begin there, begin there in verse 9. Let me just read for a moment. Now this is the Apostle Paul. He had just been teaching some things about Israel, about the Jewish people. Now remember the Jewish people were those who were given uh, uh, the responsibility of bearing the law, of living out their existence for one purpose. Does everybody, anybody know what that purpose is or was? For, for Jesus. You know, the Messiah. To bring Him upon the earth. They're still looking for their Messiah. Thank God our Messiah came. He's the same one. Amen? The same guy. And in the midst of all of that, there were certain graces, there were certain mercies that were given unto them. And as the move of God began, it was almost like if you were just a regular old Christian, you know, you lived in Ephesus, you lived in Corinth, you lived somewhere like, and you just got saved, and you, know, you kind of went to the church, you know, you were, you know, you were one thing. But if you were Jewish and you got born again, then you had this elevated status, and Paul was trying to break that elevated status and show us that in Christ that being in Christ is the great equalizer on the planet. Nothing else brings parity like being in Christ. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, and we have one Lord, we have one Savior, and there's one Spirit that abides and empowers us. Amen? Now, in the midst of that, he begins to reveal what, what, what is it that bonds this world and this world system together. The demonic forces of Satan, that which entered into humanity through the, through the fall. And we have, we have coined the phrase, uh, we that we, we, we that teach on redemption, teachers before I came on the scene that taught on redemption, coined the phrase, man's condition in Adam. Now I've said this, and I've not heard anybody say this. So it's kind of unique to me. If somebody else says it, then I'll give them credit for it. But I have said this. You that come to the church have heard me say it. And it's, it's really it really bears some attention in your thought so that you can depart from it. Now let me, let me say it to you and then you'll understand. I have said that we're living in a time in which the maximum potential of sin is reaching its pinnacle. Now I qualify that by saying this. Sin entered into humanity and began to grow, began to mastate like a cancer in a healthy body. And it grew to a certain point in which even angels of heaven were coming down and cooperating with that sin, and God destroyed that whole bunch, except for eight righteous souls. Then He started all over with them, took the curse off of the earth, where that man could sow the earth and reap, and He instituted seed time and harvest in the earth, and an expectation of redemption or of a Savior coming and redeeming man from the curse of that fall. Are you with me? Now in that period of time, since then until now, That iniquitous nature of man has grown stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. In Ephesians, it says we we were by nature children of wrath, even as others. Now, in Romans, it gives us, now listen, it gives us literally a definition. Let me read beginning verse 9. Let me find it here. What then are we better than they, speaking of the Jews, no in no wise? For we have before proved both Jews, now notice this, both Jews and Gentiles, that they were all under sin. Now remember, we've, we've said this before, and it bears uh, repeating as we teach. Uh, according to a Jewish person, there's not, you know, there's not black, white, Hispanic, Asian. There's none of that. There's, you're either a Jew or a Gentile. That's it. That's, that's all there is. So Paul is saying it doesn't matter. Claim your Jewish heritage. Claim your Gentile. It doesn't matter. We're all under sin. The wages of sin is death and we all live under the bondage of it. It was transferred transferred to us because of our first birth or being born onto the planet. Verse 10, "As, as it is written, now notice, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. You know, I've heard people say, well, I was looking for God. No, you weren't. God was looking for you. Jesus is a searcher. The gospel goes out. One of the most profound testimonies in my life. I went to Bible school with a guy. He was from up New Jersey up in the northeast. I've never been... Well, I was in Boston one time, but, but I'm not really familiar with the area up there. He was, he was a, a, what you would call a mafia soldier. He was in prison. He was in solitary confinement. He didn't know God. He didn't know anything about God. He could care less about God. All he knew that his life was so bad that he ended up in solitary confinement in a state prison. In that state prison, in that solitary confinement, you could not have a Bible, you could not have a book, you could not have anything, but someone had torn up a track. And a piece of the track was in the corner of his cell, and all it was was a portion of John 3.16. said, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That was the only thing on there. He read it every day. Every day he said it and read it. Every day he said it and read it. He said something on the inside spoke to him and said, yeah, God loves you, has a plan for your life. Just ask Jesus to come into your heart. He did. And the rest was history. He ended up, ended up building a great church up, uh, up, up around New Jersey. Now listen, if the gospel is so profound, so powerful, that a portion of the scripture can radically change a man's life, what's it going to do if someone actually lives within the confines of it in an entire lifetime? Nothing is impossible with God. Amen. But notice this. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. No, God seeks after you and the gospel is so powerful that even a portion of the scripture can cause a man to get saved. That's God seeking after man. I'm astounded at the ways God will go after people. Will try to try to get people saved. Try to get the gospel to them. I was holding a meeting in Wheeling, West Virginia. When Wheeling, West Virginia is... I don't know about this. This was back in the early 90s. In Wheeling, West Virginia, is a federal penitentiary. And it's the penitentiary you go to if you commit a federal crime and they give you life without parole. This is, you don't get out. That's a bad place. So the, 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 there was a camp meeting going on at a church there. I was asked to come to, to speak three nights. And the warden of the prison went to the church. He asked me if I would come after lunch one day and share my testimony on the, on the, on the, uh, uh, the video system that was in the, in the prison, so the men could see it in their cells. Then they would give an invitation for whoever wanted to come to the chapel and hear me preach. He said, we've asked everyone else in the, in the, in the camp meeting to do it, but nobody else, would you do it? I said, sure, I'd love to do it. So I went share my testimony. And when I came into the chapel, it was full. And I'll never forget preaching a message called God's spiritual pardon out of 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 he that knew no sin was made sin on your behalf because of that you are the righteousness of God in Christ and I talked about how God had pardoned you how you may never get out of this jail but you can be freer than you've ever been and I'll never forget 18 big, strong, tattooed up men walked up to that altar with tears running down their face and they stepped out of, life, out of death into life out of darkness into life that's how strong the gospel is That's how strong the gospel is. Amen. Jesus is looking for your loved ones. Looking for your friends. Looking for people that you know. As long as you'll pray and be a witness, He'll find them. You say, what? There's none that seeketh after God. No, not one. They are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Pastor, there's got to be somebody doing good out there. Not in the eyes of God. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. The way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now, remember what we're teaching, the sign of the times. There's never been a time as unique as this time is right now. The, the, the whole world is literally, how can I say this, is, is, is under the bondage of its own system. You understand that? Did you know that you cannot even get up and say what's true? Now, listen to me. You could not, if you got up as a newscaster, as a politician, and said, this, okay, this is, uh, here, we've got all these newscasts, we've got all these... This is what's going on. This is the truth. This is it. They'd, they'd, run, they'd, they'd, probably, they'd, they'd probably shoot you. They, they, they change the narrative. They, 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 they tell half the truths. They tell half lies. They weep. They're, they're what? They're just totally manifesting. That can't, they cannot help it. It is their nature, it is man's condition in Adam. That's why you can't get mad. That's what, what, what we're, what we're going to teach on tonight. That's why you can't get mad. You can't get upset. You can't point at one group. You can't point at another group. You can't get up, caught up in all the rhetoric. Right. Amen. You cannot Listen, you cannot get involved in these causes. You're going to have to live for God. You're going to have to live in righteousness. You're going to have to keep your mind fixed on the Word of God or else you will end up cynical. Everybody say cynical. Now, I already used my scripture in Ephesians, so we'll go to Timothy. Go to 2 go to Second, uh, Second Timothy there. Let me find it. It, sa- it says there in Ephesians that we were by nature children of wrath, even as others. But God, in His rich mercy, where His great love where His, wherein He's loved us, amen, has risen us together, And we're seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Man, isn't that good news? Mm, mm, mm. I'll just take off and teach on redemption. Here we go. 2 Timothy 2. Excuse me. 2 Timothy 3. Make sure I got all my notes here. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. We've read that before. Now notice this. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, and unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent. How do you say that word? That's not incontinent, is it? <laughs> I don't think that's the word. <laughs> Amen. Oh, my goodness. We'll pass that one by. Fear, fear. <laughs> Despisers of those. Now, notice this last one. Despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Now, this is a definition or an explanation. Now, listen. You can talk about everything that's going on or if none of it would have ever happened. This would still be relevant to the day and the hour in which we live. The problem with us living in a day and an hour like this, especially with the explosion of information that we have, all the books, all the papers, all the internet, everything that comes on the news, with all of that, your exposure to this, what I just read, will leave you a cynic as a believer. I've seen it happen to, to, to good Christians. I've seen it happen to ministers. I've seen it happen to, 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 to pastors and, and people that ought to know better. And they end up with this cynical attitude toward everything that's going on, not recognizing or realizing that it may be one of the greatest hours on the earth to ever be a believer. See, it robs you. But remember the story of the prodigal son? You know, I, I, in that story, I see myself more as the prodigal that left the father's house and came back. But in teaching all that, on that, you've got to understand there were two sons. And one of them was in the father's house. Now, listen, in the father's house, there was music, woo, dancing, woo, they were eating on a fatted calf, woo, they were having a great time. But somebody who was not present was the elder son. And the elder son had become a cynic because of his younger brother. Now think about that a minute. The younger brother, hey, he was just happy to be home. He said, listen, I'm going to come back and tell my father I'm not even worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. He got that make me attitude, got rid of that give me attitude. He's ready for his character to be changed. He's ready to to submit himself to the will of the father. And his father's celebrating. They're having a revival, having a camp meeting. And the older brother comes, but no, he knows all about what the brother's been doing. He knows he's been wasting his living with, with, with harlots. He knows he's wasted all the money that he's been. He knows all of that and because of the activity of his brother that was going on that was in his own nature. You say, what do you mean? They can't help themselves. Listen to me, church. You know, you see people out outriding, You see these politicians talking all this trash. You see all this kind of stuff. These people have been conditioned and conditioned, and conditioned, and conditioned, and conditioned, generation after generation after generation. It's in our educational system. It's in our politics. It's everywhere. And you ought to get on your knees every day, and thank God He rescued you out of that. I mean, you ought to just say, God, thank you that I don't have to live under the bondage of that which is in this world system. I'm free, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. You don't have to do it. But if you're not careful, it'll draw you back in. And just like that elder brother, what did he say? What's this music and dancing? The father came out. He didn't send a servant out. He didn't. He didn't send some. He went out himself, and the Bible says, entreated him, invited him. Come on in. Come on in and celebrate. Come on in. Let's shout. Come on in. Let's have a great time. Listen. Don't get caught up like the elder brother when the revival breaks out in Island Church. When all that God begins to do that we've been praying for for 18 years begins to happen, don't end up a cynic because of people who, by nature, can't help what they're doing. Amen. The Bible said he would not go in. Isn't it amazing how his cynical attitude toward his younger brother blinded him to the mercy of his father, blinded him to the compassion of his father, blinded him to all that God, all the father was doing in restoring. Then he made this statement. He said, son, you've been with me all the everything I have. that He couldn't even see what he had because I guarantee you that cynical attitude will blind you Every time. Cynicism. I looked it up. It was a unique word. You've got to study the word cynical. Cynicism is being cynical in operation, in manifestation. Compulsively distrusting of any kind of human nature or motive. Did you know that people are exhausting themselves trying to figure out why things are going on the way they are? Why is this coronavirus? How did it happen so fast? Why are these people doing this and that? And it's listen, it's getting crazy by the day. Lee and I were flipping around on the TV, and here's a guy in a big crowd. Remember holding that sign? You know what it said? Listen listen to what this sign said. This guy's holding this sign. Here's what it said. If Jesus comes back, we'll kill him again. You cannot let that affect you. You cannot let that infect you. You can't let slogans, social slogans, racial slogans, labels they put on different groups of people and how they try to live that out. You cannot do that. If you embrace that and you allow that to get in, you will end up cynical, untrusting of any human motive or behavior. You will literally have a total selfish view of yourself and others, and I'm going to tell you what it does to the body of Christ. It inhibits the body of Christ from truly walking in love. You cannot love those that you come to church with, and you certainly will not love those that are hurting and need Jesus. Outside the four walls of the church, here's what it does. It devalues people. Amen. People talk about, well, this diva slavery devalues this diva. There was the story that was told. Uh, there was an evangelist that used to teach that used to always tell this story that got it from a missionary. And uh, he told about this, this, this. You know, that the, they would bring these slaves into the into the. Uh, Caribbean there many of those islands and that's where the auctions would go on and they had this one and they're, they're having this auction these guys are bidding and all this kind of stuff all the foolishness that goes on and stuff like that and there's this one guy standing over in that pen like this and so this guy bid on him he was a big handsome tall beautiful black black guy and he, the, the guy the, the, the seller said he's worthless you can't have him he said I, I, man I'll give you top dollar for He said "No, he, he's worthless he says why is he worthless he says here's why we stole him out of a king's house and now he refuses to be ever anything other than a king's son. It's, it's easy to be a king's son when you live in a palace. It's when you're taken out of the palace that's when people find out if you're a king's child. And that's exactly what the enemy's trying to do right now. He's trying to take a lot of people in the church. Listen, there are churches that are shutting down. There are pastors that are afraid. There are people that are, that are like, oh, well, what are we going to do? It looks like God's not moving. There's nothing going on. And here we are in the most important time in the history of the Bible and the church. And all of this cynicism is just seeping up out of the world system. And the problem is a lot of the people in the body of Christ are letting it get into them. You can't do it, church. You can't do it. You say, yeah, we can't, no, no, because then you'll enter back into your baser nature that is that which is your condition in Adam. Your old man resurrects and he's dead in Christ, so he's gonna do what? He's gonna stink. Ain't nothing stinks worse than death. I said, ain't nothing stinks worse than death. Now, we go back to what? Psalms 110. Rule thou in the midst Of your enemies, the Lord said unto my Lord. That's David prophesying the Messiah. My uh, my Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at thy right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Rule thou. Now this is the time in which we have to rule in the midst of our enemies. In the midst of whatever they call it. The cynicism of the hour. And whatever kind of political gunk they try to dredge up next in all of the lies, the misunderstandings, in all of the miscommunication, and in all of the manipulation of the system, we have to rule in the midst of our enemies. Amen? Now, if you go back into Psalms 110 and study it, it talks about ruling like a king. Somebody say, like a king. Now, how do kings rule? Now, if you were a king and, and the palace yard needed mowing... Would you go mow it? What would you do? You would speak. Kings rule through what they say. You're going to have to rule your life through what you say. This is, we're just going to give you a couple of points here to help you rule in the midst of your enemies. Because if you don't, the enemies can take you over. Several different scriptures, I think three different scriptures, if I had time, we'd go look at them, that talk about people that depart from the faith, people that, that will leave, people that will uh, that will fall away. There's three different references to that in the letters to the church. You don't want to get caught up in that group. That's, that's the group that's going to get caught in the wave of cynicism that is sweeping across this nation right now. And my, we are in a very precarious time because of an election coming up of what could happen if this gets elected, what could happen if that gets elected, what could happen if this don't happen, what, can, what could happen if that don't happen? We've already determined there's no, there you're not ever going to go back to the normal of what used to be. We hear them talking about wearing masks from now on. We're talking about, you know, or, or, or till we get a vaccine, then you read about the vaccines and they wanna they wanna put all kind of nano stuff in there to mess with your brain and all this kind of stuff, and you can't say anything without it being a conspiracy theory right wing come on you can't say anything because as soon as you say it they're going to label it that's the height of cynicism in the midst of it you're going to have to rule amen your words we're gonna, we'll, we'll look at this some on Sunday morning your words are going to have to be salted now not salty like a sailor <laughs> Uh, you don't want salty sailor words. Amen. No, they're going to have to be the salt that Jesus talked about when He called us the salt of this earth. Amen. You know, they would find salt as a, a natural, naturally uh, occurring or they, would, they knew how to render it up out of the sea. They'd bring it up out of the sea. They'd get water and they'd dig these little ponds and they'd put this lining in it, kind of a lining that they would make and the, and the, and the seawater would... Uh, Uh, would evaporate and there would be salt there. But their salt was of a very inferior quality and a lot of the salt that they would find was really not, you know, really wasn't good enough to use as something that you would uh, salt your food with or or season your food with or use it to preserve. So you know what they'd use it for? They'd use it for roads. They'd use it for, for road foundations, what they'd use it for. But Jesus is talking about a salt as a seasoning that has that salty taste. Amen. You know, there's some salty tastes. Uh, you know, every once in a while, there's, there's a man in the church that will bring me a um, half of a, of a gallon of oysters from Matagorda Bay. And if it's a good cold year and, that, and there's been a little bit of rain, those oysters have this very unique salty taste. You don't need nothing. You don't need Tabasco sauce. You don't need, uh, uh, what is it you put on? Uh, Horse reddish. You don't even need a cracker. You can just drop it in. You can swirl it around a few times, and you can slide it right. George, George can tell you right there. He knows. It'll slide right on down. And there's this satisfying, salty. It's that oyster liquor, you know. Where's my eaters? Come on, this is a this is a Galveston church. This is in San Antonio. Listen, if you can salt your language to the point with everything that you have to address and speak to, you speak it by the Word of God from your heart, a heart of faith, a heart of, uh, uh, the Word of God into a situation, you will never get overcome by what's coming back at you. Amen? Because I'm telling you, as we, pro- as we progress toward November, I've talked about this with, with, to, to, with several ministers that I know, and they've asked me, what do you see as we continue to progress toward no- November? I said, "I tell you, I see darkness. I see things getting darker. I see things getting more strained. I see, see things getting, you know, all we need is a couple of natural disasters thrown in the midst of this, and you really got a mess. And they just had that earthquake in, in uh, Mexico City, and they had... Whether you know it or not, they had a 4.5 one in Tulsa Saturday night. I mean a real earthquake. Tulsa, Oklahoma. So we got to understand we're right on that precipice of all of the things of this world just just going into total chaos. So everybody say, speak life. life. Then you're going to have to live life. People live death. They have lifestyles of death. They have lifestyles of destruction. Uh, The Lord actually put this in my spirit years ago. He said they exist till death runs its course. You can't exist until something happens in your life. Listen, you are made in the likeness and image of your God. You are a creator. You need to speak and act on what you speak on, on what you say. In so doing, you are living the life of the Word that God has put into your spirit. It is literally the basics of our faith in which we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth, and act on what we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth. Amen. Now let me say this, because we're going to do, do this. I'm going to get really in-depth, especially with teaching on healing. You say, why is that? This is just, this is just 19. I said this is, you need to know how to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and act on the healing power of God. In every where if you feel a symptom come on you, you feel something come on you, you react immediately. Yes. There's an automatic resistance in you in which now listen to me, in which you push back correctly. There's a lot of pushback going on right now that is not correct because it's not accomplishing anything. It's only adding to the problem. But if you can push back correctly, you can walk in the provision of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, I better not do that. Which one do you want me to do, Lord? You cannot get caught up in the cynicism of the hour. You must speak light life your words must be salted. Everybody say salted. One of the translations of the scripture here in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 talks people without natural affection. Selfish people full of big words resistant to all natural authority. Thank you Lord, I'll close with that. Now, I've even heard, heard some people say this. Pastor, it just seems like it's harder to pray, harder to get an answer. Don't you be fooled by that. Don't you be fooled by that. Amen? There is a resistance in the earth. It's all, all, always been there. But remember the nature of your adversary. You say, what do you mean? He comes up for, to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his ultimate purpose. He's not trying to, you know, help somebody take over some city somewhere. That's not what he's trying to do. He wants everybody to die, Period. He is a murderer. He is a liar and the father of lies. Amen. So there is pushback. Everybody say pushback. Pushback. Against anything you desire of the kingdom for your life, there's going to be pushback. But let me tell you something. Once you achieve breakthrough after pushback, that releases your God to be the God that is exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. He is looking for men and women that will break through the pushback. Not get caught up in the cynicism of this hour and make a decision. This is the greatest day, the greatest hour to ever be alive and serve God. Harvest is here. Revival in the church. Awakening in our area. My goodness, the anticipation of what's going on. I can hardly stand it. It could be any service now. It could be any time now. It could be at any point. It could break out on a street corner. It could break out out in the parking lot. God is going to show up and show out. Now listen. This is what you're going to have to really watch. Expectation. All the prognosticators on every side of every problem that's going on is trying to form a narrative of expectation of what may happen if or what may happen when. Amen. That's one thing that I've been praying about. We really need to pray over is this thing in Seattle and how that thing comes to a conclusion. You say, why is that? You don't want them running in there and shooting everybody dead. You don't want 35 body bags laying out for CNN and ABC to look at. That's going to that's set this nation on fire. The Bible says blessed are, blessed are the peacemakers. So my prayers have been this. Father, send a peacemaker. Give us a peacemaker that can walk into the, that volatile situation and, 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 and close it down. And, 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 and civil life can come back online. There, People won't just be walking the streets armed and dangerous. People doing drugs in the street openly. That, you know, send a peacemaker, Lord. You say, why? Because that's what you're going to have to be careful, careful of is the expectation of that which the world is trying to transmit and trying to telegraph to you. As you sit in your homes, as you watch a newscast, as you listen to an investigative report, and you get that, oh, no, panic. That almost happened to me the other day. I was listening to something, and I thought to myself, we're on the edge of anarchy. And when I entertained that thought, like that, the enemy just downloaded into my mind. It took me two days of praying in the Spirit and speaking the Word over my mind to get that out of my mind. Because what came on the heels of it was fear. What if that happens in your street? What if that happens in your town? What if that happens in your church while you're going to church? What if, that's what if that happens while you're driving down the street and something's going on up in front of you? They pull your car. What, what happens then? What are you going to do then? See, if you're not careful, they'll telegraph that into you. Thing you know, it'll be rolling in your mind, and you'll be thinking, "What will I do? Better get me a gun." That's not the answer. We gonna shoot everybody dead? That's not the answer. Well, I'll get out and tell them about Jesus. You find out that ain't gonna work either. But you will find out if you do not become cynical. You don't let that stuff get transmitted into you. If you're not, if it's not telegraphed into your mind, and it's not overwhelming. You'll find out. You know what's going to happen? Now listen to me. This is going to be my closing. You're going to be led by the Holy Ghost. You're never going to end up in a situation like that. That's why we're telling people, come and pray. Come to the church and pray. Come learn how to pray with your brother and sister. Get to to know the Spirit of God on the inside of you. Young people, come and pray. Teenagers, come and pray. Moms and dads, come and pray. Come and pray, come and pray, come and pray, come and pray. Why? Because your prayer life may determine whether or not you go into one of those situations or not. Amen. It'll keep your heart tender. Because let me tell you, church, bottom line it, no matter what happens, we are still called to walk in love. Did you hear what I just said? No matter what happens, we're still called to walk in love. Lift your hands and worship the Lord. Father, we worship you tonight. Lord, you said rule in the midst of our enemies. Father, you said that your people would be willing in the day of your power. And Father, we thank you that that day is upon us. And Father, I thank you. Thank you that every person here that may be struggling with the cynicism of this world and all that's going on in this world, in which the enemy is trying to telegraph into their minds and paint a picture, I thank you they're delivered now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, as we taught the past few weeks, the peace of God that passes all understanding come upon their minds, garrison their minds. And Father, we thank you for the supernatural ability of God loosed in our lives. Season our speech with salt. Let us speak words of life. Let our actions be acts of life. Let us overcome evil with good in all that we're called to do. In Jesus' name. Let us be healers of the breach. Let us be the peacemakers you've called us to be. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet. Father, we bless your name tonight. Thank you so much for the goodness of your word. Thank you, Father, for your ability to transmit that which is revelation knowledge into our hearts, into our minds. I bind bind fear. I bind that which is of panic. I bind the anticipation of disaster. And I thank you, Father, that the anticipation of pleasure, true biblical hope rises up in Island Church. Thank you for the hope. Hope that restores joy. Hope that imparts peace. Hope that comes down from heaven above and surrounds us with its possibilities. Thank you for the anticipation of the goodness of God here at Island Church. Lord, as we leave tonight, we declare our protection and safety. Thank you, no evil befalls us. No plague comes in our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. Whether we travel on the highways, airways, seaways, railways, or any type of work we do in our jobs or businesses, thank you that we're not subject to accidents, problems, trauma, terror, evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. Those that are of the nature of the evil one, thank you, Father, by the Spirit of the Lord. You steer us right around, right around all of that which will try to bring harm or hurt. But in the midst of it, Lord, there are hurting. There are those that do not know you. There are those that are the harvest of God. Help us to be an answer to their prayer. Let us be your hand extended, your voice spoken in the earth today. Let us be a miracle in people's lives. Lord, we leave tonight walking in faith and love towards you. We love you so much, Father. Oh, how we love you. Lift your hands and worship the Lord for a moment. Lord, we love you. Just take time to tell Him you love him. We love you, Lord. Thank you that Jesus is Lord. The Word is true. And heaven is our home. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for it, Father. We thank you for one another. We walk in love. Thank you for our church. We leave tonight as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord. Here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, powered by the word, anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.